Well, guys, I want to thank you for tuning in to the Youth and Culture podcast, where youth ministry and culture collide. I am your host, Ryan Sebastian, and I am joined with my co-host, David Pinkham. Hey, guys, it is good to be here. Uh, Man, October is half over. What happened? (laughs) I know. And and it's fall. It's fall. Oh, man. Hoodie and jean weather. I cannot wait. We're going to a farm this year with uh, the students and they have like multiple, multiple, multiple massive acre corn maze where there's like clues. You have to work as a team to go through it. Uh, It's, it's epic. (laughs) Yeah. And here, uh, of course, I'm, I'm located in the back in the mountains again. Uh, Of course I was, I was in the East coast for about seven years. Now I'm uh, off the coast. Now I'm more in the mountains now. So finally I'm starting to, see leaves change mm. i haven't actually experienced that in over seven years wow um because where, where i was at right near the coast we pretty much it went it, it pretty much there was no winter and there was no fall really at all uh so we didn't have uh, basically the leaves basically just died there wasn't like a slow <laughs> slow change in, in color Green one day brown the next yeah, pr- pretty much <laughs> so uh so yeah, so, so I'm enjoying actually uh, being in fall weather, and uh, we have an apple orchard that's right near uh, near us as well. So taking the kids out picking. and go apple picking and getting apple yeah. slushies and apple donuts and mm. like just just loving it right now. Yeah. Oh, dude, that sounds so great. When it comes to fall, I am straight apple. Uh, I I know we're probably gonna list, uh, lose some listeners over this, but I hate pumpkin spice. I think it tastes like dirt. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm an apple cider man all the way. Give me apple apple flavored donut. Starbucks finally got on the bandwagon. They have an apple crisp macchiato now, and it's so seriously. Good. Yeah, if you don't stir it though, it's a cold. You can get it hot or cold, but it comes cold naturally. And if you don't stir it, the last three or four sips are just gonna taste like apple pie filling. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna lie. My my favorite my favorite coffee at Starbucks is probably the pumpkin spice latte. That's my favorite. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pumpkin spice guy I'm, I'm not a huge pumpkin spice guy but um i really love that latte i do i do like some of the seasonal stuff but once you get to christmas when they get that peppermint mocha out oh, oh yeah oh yeah do you remember at liberty the muse coffee shop oh yes my favorite my favorite place christmas in th- a cup yes my favorite thing to get there of course we we had uh meal points i think i don't even know what it's called meal points was that what it was I called? called meal points yeah meal points back in the day there's something yeah. totally different now mm-hmm. uh and i had so many meal points but i would waste it all on the oh, white chocolate mocha from there yes you are a basic white girl <laughs> hey hey, <laughs> hey still one too, of my man. favorites still one of my favorites <laughs> oh that's hilarious dude well hey we've had some uh some interesting things going on in ministry over here. Our uh, senior pastor just had knee surgery. So um, the worship pastor and I have been handling stuff while he recovers. Um, and uh, we're doing everything we can to make sure that he stays home. So while he's working through the pain meds, he doesn't say something weird from the pulpit. <laughs> and uh, because of that, uh, I had, um, I don't know if, I don't think you can say the privilege, maybe the honor, but that still sounds weird. I, I performed my very first funeral uh, this last Monday, and uh, dude, oh, talk about terrifying leading up to it, uh, but then in the middle of it, I guess, you know, just the peace of God fell, and, you know, it, it was okay. Like, the ha- family was happy. Um, they were very adamant that the gospel be presented, so I did, <laughs> and uh, all in all, I think it went well, but I, I went home to my wife and I got to be honest with you. I walked through the door and she said, how'd it go? And I was like, I never want to be a senior pastor. I don't know how he <laughs> handles doing that on a regular basis. That was, I am exhausted emotionally and spiritually and physically. 
that it's, it wears you out. And a lot of it, I think is just the, the care and concern for a family that you love, that you're watching grieve the lost loved one. Um, man, that is, that is heavy. You know what I mean? Uh, I agree. And I, and I've, I've been, and this is, again, this sounds bad when I say it too, uh, but I've been very fortunate that I have not done a funeral yet. Yeah. Uh, that probably will happen eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just glad it hasn't happened yet because that is not my gifting. Mm. It, cause it, it's just, it's just not, I can do it if I have to, just like I can do anything if I have to, but it, it's, it's just not my gift. And part of that has to do probably with my personality being an introvert and it's just, mm. it's just, it's just really, it, it's really more awkward for me, um, than someone who is more of a people person naturally. Um, yeah, before, but yeah, I, I looked, I remember, uh, going my grandfather and my grandfather doing funerals over the years when I was a kid and even with my dad. And I was like, I have no desire to do that. I have that's reason, one of the many reasons why I have no desire to be a senior pastor, a lead pastor. Yeah. And, and so in light of all of that, um, because he just had the surgery, um, so I did the funeral Monday, but I'm also preaching this coming Sunday. Um, and, uh, I don't know about any of you listening out there, if you've ever had to preach when your pastor is out, um, that has its own set of pressures, but he said, he's going to try to be back in house by then, which means I'll be preaching for my pastor to my pastor (laughs) who will be sitting out in the audience. And he knows I'm nervous when I preach in front of him because I, you know, he, he doesn't have an attitude where he's like, all right, I'm evaluating you right now. He just comes to hear the word just like everybody else. And so, you know, I've shared with him, I'm nervous when he, when I preach and he's there and he's like, all right, I'll, I'll bring a legal pad and I'll be fiercely scribbling notes the entire time you're preaching. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Again, I, I've, I've preached many, many, I've preached many times over, over the years. And, uh, I did have to say that I've, I've improved just like you do anything. If you do anything long enough, you improve, you get better at yeah, it. Uh, sure. I mean, I can still remember my first time preaching ever getting a pulpit bad. and preaching. always, it wasn't necessarily bad, but it was 20 minutes long. And so everybody in the congregation was happy. They had to go to lunch before the Methodists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it was, uh, because we did two services because those in small groups, uh, there was in small groups and you had people in the congregation for during first service waiting right. to go to small groups. Mm. So like twitting their thumbs for almost mm-hmm. uh, 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, so that, that part was, was a little bit interesting, but yeah. I think my first sermon at this church was like 50 minutes long. I, I talked too long. I have a really hard time hand, landing the plane. I'll just be straight up. It's, it's difficult. Uh, and, and that's something that I've always struggled with. Um, just never go long when there's donuts coming because if they smell the donuts before you're done talking, everyone will check out. So anyway, speaking of terrible transitions, uh, we have a great guest today that we're going to be interviewing for the podcast. And, uh, this guy, uh, he's, he's a great guy. You guys are going to love this. Uh, uh, his name's, uh, JC Groves. He is one of the three co-hosts of the recovering fundamentalist podcast. I definitely would encourage you guys to check that out. And, um, I'm super excited about the interview because, it's something that is, uh, this is a subject that's actually near and dear to my heart uh, because it's something that I struggled through as a teenager and into my early college years, uh, just discussing this aspect of learning how to become uh, a, a biblical worldview Christian without getting into the legalism of things. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, know, and I just want to uh, talk about as well, we do have a cool announcement to talk about yep but you're gonna have to wait until after the interview yeah <laughs> so really stick cool. around <laughs> yeah it's a really cool announcement at the end that we kind of want to share with y'all too so yeah definitely stick around to the end so we want to uh, share that with you but looking forward to this interview so stay tuned as we talk with jc everybody welcome back to the youth and culture podcast and i am super excited about our guest today because uh, this is a guy that i've been following since the beginning of 2020 
and uh, him and his buddies over at the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Uh, JC Groves is not only the co-host of the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast, but he's also the next-gen pastor at Connection Church in Statesboro, Georgia. And uh, I'm excited to talk with you today, JC. And I'm fired up to be here. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Well, hey, uh, for anybody who may not know who you guys are, who the RFP is, uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, just give us kind of a bit of a backstory, testimony, and what you're up to these days. Yeah. So I am a next gen pastor here at uh, Connection Church in Statesboro, Georgia. Like you said, don't you love when people get up and they have already been introduced and then they just retell everything that they were just reinduced to? Yeah. My goodness. <laughs> well, I'm JC. I'm from uh, Statesboro, Georgia, a next gen pastor. Uh, I've been down here. Uh, right at 10 months. Um, I've been a campus pastor at a multi-site church for the last eight years. Uh, We launched that campus about eight years ago, started with about 12 people. And uh, Mm. last year we moved into a $6.2 million building on Sunday and I quit on Monday (laughs) to move south to be a student pastor. And uh, I love it. When you're called, you're called, man. I I can't stand being a lead pastor. I'm like, get me out of this. Old people suck. I'm kidding. Can I say suck? Edit that out. Um, <laughs> um, but man, we, uh, we've been down here about 10 months now, and I absolutely love it. Been in student ministry. Uh, August 1st was 18 years I've been in wow. ministry, and a majority of that has been in student ministry uh, in Chattanooga, North Georgia. Spent a few years out in Salt Lake City, Utah, and uh, now we're down here in South Georgia and uh, doing sixth grade through college. Our college ministry is rocking. We're right on the campus of Georgia Southern University. And uh, it's been great, and uh, I love it. Love love student ministry and college ministry. About two years ago, um, I was driving to Dallas, Texas, with my wife and six kids. Uh, we've been my wife and I have been married 13 years. This October, we got six kids, 11 and under. It was in the water out there in Utah. I promise. And uh, <laughs> you got a bunch, don't you? I got six myself and a wife's hey, pregnant. Oh my gosh, man. You're you're more of a man than I am. I'm done. I was like six and no more. We are absolutely done. But uh we uh we we got to uh Texas and as we're driving, I'm I, I like listening to podcasts. I'm mm-hmm. kind of more like a true crime podcast. Um there was one uh, called Up and Vanished that was a great podcast. I loved it. I loved the flow of it, the excellence of it. And it had nothing to do with Jesus. It was just about murder. And uh, I was listening to this podcast and I was like, man, this is done with excellence. And so I started looking online uh, for a podcast that had to do with recovering fundamentalists. I didn't even know what that was. Mm-hmm. Former Baptist, IFB, Independent Fundamental Baptist, couldn't find anything. And so it was about two o'clock in the morning, Nathan Cravat, who's one of the co-hosts with me, uh, me and Nathan have been best friends for well over 25 years. And uh, I called him at about two in the morning. I said, hey, bro, we got to start a podcast. He's like, all right, what about? <laughs> and he knows when I get an idea, like he's like, okay, let's go. And he'll just run with it. And I said, we got to do this, man. It, like there's a lot of us that are sitting out there that are not independent fundamental Baptist anymore, but we need to do this. And he said, okay, we had another guy that was with us. Um, this was about July of 2018 and, uh, or 2019. I don't know. Quarantine. My years are all thrown off. Yeah, time and, uh, means nothing anymore. <laughs> I don't even know what it is a, a while back. Yeah. And, um, we met with this other guy and he kind of was Debbie Downer, man. It was like, rah, rah. he didn't want to do it. He was still really legalistic, if you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it kind of set dormant. Well, then uh, just before we launched in January, almost two years ago now, uh, we, we found Brian Edwards. We've known Brian forever. Um, he's the old man on the podcast. I mean, he's just 51, but he acts like he's 70. And uh, we said, this guy, all three of us grew up in this. We've all known each other forever. So we stuck a microphone in front of our face and just started recording. Uh, we just recorded last night, episode 76. We're sitting at about a million and a half downloads right now wow. um, in 76 episodes. It has absolutely taken off. And uh, it 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 bumfazzles us, if you will, because, I mean, we're just three dudes that are pastors. Uh, Brian's a church planner, been pastoring a church for 20 years. Nathan was a church planner who's now a student pastor again. I'm a student and college pastor. I mean, we're just three guys that talk into a microphone but literally every week our podcast is like thousands and thousands of downloads, not evangelistically speaking either. And so we're like, okay, 
we're just going to do this. And it's opening up doors and, uh, you know, it's, it's been fun. Uh, we're in season two now, 70, 75 episodes in, we decided to have season two. And uh, so season two, we're, we're talking about the gospel and kind of changing from recovering because those guys are going to be idiots that we've been talking about for the last 75 episodes. And we're just, we're really helping folks now. There's a community on social media that is really the RFP fam. And, uh, you know, it's funny being a student and college pastor. They don't know JC in that world. And then I mm-hmm. get off and get onto a podcast. and It's like a completely different world. And I'm like, man, <laughs> yeah. my wife's like, you got two different worlds you live in. And I'm like, I don't want anybody to know about the IFB that doesn't have to know about the IFB. <laughs> and uh, so it's it's fun. We're, uh, we love podcasting. And uh, I love student ministry more than I love podcasting. So I'm glad to be on talking about student ministry tonight for sure. Yeah, I- I'm excited about it. And uh, just, uh, for our listeners who, especially for those of you who may be new, um, our podcast started back in, I want to say it was, uh, 2019 in May and Ryan was doing it for about a year by himself. And then he asked okay. me to start co-hosting. And so we started figuring out what that was going to look like. And we got everything set up and ready to go. And I started hosting and then COVID hit and the shutdowns. Oh, yeah. And I was like, great time to start hosting, co-hosting mm-hmm. a podcast, man. Um, but as this happened and as we're going through all of this and as we've been interviewing people and and talking about youth ministry and, and how things have been affected here and there. And I started listening to you guys, uh, cause you started beginning of 2020 Mm -hmm. and I, I started getting this thought almost immediately in my head. As soon as the RFP started, we need to get these guys on here because I remember being a teenager not realizing at the time that I was extremely legalistic and yeah. I wasn't even in an IFB church. I was in a yeah. Southern Baptist church and I didn't know how legalistic I was. And when I say mm-hmm. legalistic, I mean, screaming matches with my friends about Harry Potter, uh, mm-hmm. telling a really close friend of mine that I couldn't marry them because they had too many character <laughs> flaws. How, who says that to a friend? Oh, dude. I mean, oh, it's you such a hot times- mess. <laughs> Do you know how many times God has broken up with me? <laughs> See, I just don't, God's telling me we shouldn't date. Why does God hate me? What is going on here? Uh, so I can the, understand that. The one six months earlier where they said God said we should be dating. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then he and then he told you to break up later. I mean, uh, and, and then going throughout my college years, I went to Liberty and and continuing to be super legalistic. And then not yeah. and then meeting my wife and realizing after I met her. She gave me a book called Grace Rules by Steve McVeigh. I read nice. it. First chapter in, I put it down. I was like, oh, I'm legalistic. <laughs> okay, how do I fix that? And she was like, no, yeah. <laughs> it's not. you don't do that. But I also yeah. noticed as I went through, because church history was fascinating for me in college. Mm-hmm. And I realized, and our professor talked about it, but throughout the history of the church, we've tended to swing on a pendulum from grace, yeah. way too much of it, all the way back to way too much law and legalism and back to yeah. grace and back to legalism. So as you're surveying the, let's just stick, I guess, with the American church, but as you mm-hmm. survey the American church today, where do you think they are on that pendulum at the moment? You know, man, I, I really do believe it goes back and forth. Like I, I really do believe in, in so it, it depends on the camp that you're looking at. Like we were just talking yeah. offline in one world, I feel like the pendulum swings way towards grace. Like it's all emotion. Jesus is my boyfriend. Let's sit on oh. his lap and stroke his beard and nothing's <laughs> wrong. I've got my get out of hell free card so I can do whatever I want to do. Like mm-hmm. he's a loving God. And I think that seeker friendly type, you know, uh, mentality is is still very prevalent. But then on the other side, it's, it's very much legalistic. Um, there's, there's, a lot more, I would think there's a lot more churches that are becoming more legalistic, even with the lockdowns. Why aren't you at church? You've got to do these things with quarantines and things like that. You know, I think legalism is that tendency within the Christian church, if you will, right now to favor legal legal assurances and practices in our journey of faith. And so I think the problem is a lot of times that it's legalism underlining under the banner of grace mm. and it's failing to check their works. They're not concerned about, about that. I think, I think a lot of times, you know, freedom in Christ uh, means they don't have to concern themselves with Christ exalting Holy spirit, sensing others focused mm. rewards, chasing persevering, uh, excur- like doing things that are going to 
have to earn God's favor. Like, I think they're just kind of going through it, if you know what I mean. And mm-hmm. so I think a lot of times that pendulum swing in certain areas is is back and forth. I think they're, they swing to the grace side, but even in the grace side, there's legalism. Yeah. You, I mean, I think a lot of people are becoming legalistic in the grace because they're trying to prove so much that they're not legalistic, that they're becoming legalistic with their grace, if you will. <laughs> That's got to give so you I heartburn. <laughs> it does, man. And a headache and a hangover. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I think, I think, I think we're both, to be honest with you. I don't think there's, there's a, a center line to, that can be defined right now in the, in what I look at in the church. I really feel like, and you got to understand, I have a foot in both of those aspects right now, if yeah. you will. I see the pendulum swing on both sides, doing the podcast and being a, a pastor in the world. Mm-hmm. I can see both sides of that. Yeah. And, and that's where some of the concern comes in for me because, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm sure that uh, this has probably been a part of your life, but amongst the many reasons that I followed the call into ministry, uh, was a motivation for for me uh, to look back at the generations coming after me and mm. not just teach them doctrine and teach them biblical yeah. living and 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 what's right, but to help them avoid making the same mistakes that I made, and yeah. and yeah, uh, also helping them avoid some of the mistakes I did manage to avoid, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and so yeah. set that good example. So when it comes to doing that, like teaching them and training them and trying to disciple teenagers uh, in, in this day and age towards a, a lifestyle of biblical faithfulness and, and, and living uh, in accordance with what scripture says and, and Jesus's teachings and the apostles and whatnot. Uh, how do we do that without crossing over into it yeah. becoming legalistic or, or checkboxy or something like that? Because I know that uh, just as an example, uh, you're a you're a friend of Word of Life. Our church is a Word of Life mm-hmm. church. Absolutely love it. I'm married into a Word of Life family, so like I just tell people I'm married so deep that into Word of Life, people think I went to the BI. Um, nice, same. <laughs> but all the discipleship stuff they have for the teenage curriculum, you could very easily turn it into a checkbox. I did my quiet time yeah. to serve these people and memorize these verses. So how do we sure. train them to do these spiritual disciplines without it becoming this legalistic checkboxy type lifestyle? Yeah, I think the I think the result that we're looking for is is young people that love Jesus, that know Jesus, that understand who they are in Jesus, and mm. you've got to figure out how to get there because the culture I was raised up in, you had to live for acceptance rather than from acceptance. And Amen. what happens is you get on that checkboxy thing, and you're you're on this treadmill that's wearing you out completely. And what happens? When you're on that treadmill, is you get a brand of Christianity that produces Christians who aren't godly. Holiness isn't on the radar. Before long, the drift is on, and that pendulum swing, if you will, is going as they're drifting further and further away from the mission of God. Their hearts is they're they're growing hardened, if you will, towards God. And so I I was kind of thinking as as you sent me the the message earlier and looking at like some things that we can do, and I'm looking at what we're doing with our students here. And I'm realizing that there's some ways to help them develop their faith, their skills, is we got to give them a foundation. Because a lot of times, I think right now where our students are at is if we talk about missions, man, they're all about it. They want to go and help people. They're hands-on. They want to be part of that. But anything else, it's kind of boring. It's what mom and dad do in big church. You know, I think there's a a sense of I want to be active but I don't want to learn. I don't want to grow. I don't want anything spoken into my life. I just want to do, do, do. And where we're looking at it is how do we develop the faith of our teenagers? And we got to be honest about a couple of things, I think, is that one, we got to understand, they need to understand that it's difficult for us to develop and maintain habits, even in our own lives. Like there's times where we're saying, read your Bible, pray, journal, do all this. I think just being open and honest about the fact that we struggle with that, even as youth pastors, as youth leaders, as small group leaders, as parents, like, hey, we're not asking you to do something that we've mastered. That would have helped me out a long time ago if I'd have heard my parents be like, hey, you know what? I struggle to have that daily devotion every once in a while. I do it, but dad, you're a pastor. Tell me the last time you really just sat down and read the word, not just preparing a sermon. You know, that would have- For yourself. <laughs> for yourself. That would have yeah. that would have really helped me out. I think the other one is that it is a tough sell. Um, I've spent a lot of time working with teenagers and just trying to uh, convince them to pray 
to an invisible God. Uh, it's it's a hard to understand book um, when there's video games and playing sports and napping and just understanding that it's not an easy sell, yeah. but it actually can be an easy sell if we try to take the pressure off of them thinking that it's they're not going to become an overnight theologian. Their parents aren't dropping them off for us to turn them into Noah. Um, you know, we're just giving them a disclaimer up front that let's dive into some things that are going to help you practically grow to, to know Jesus, to love Jesus, and to become more like Jesus. I got three R's that I like to say. I want to reach them. I want to retain them, but I also want to reproduce them. And I think what we tend to do in student ministry a lot of times is we want to reach them with hype. We want to reach them with the gimmicks. We want to reach them with the best first-time guest bag so they come back and never wear our T-shirt again except for that college kegger. When they get to high school, and they're like, oh, student ministry is <laughs> sweet. You know, seen it happen. Um, you know, but we reach them in certain ways. But remember, and I've, this is not a legalistic statement, it could be, but what you reach them with is what you got to keep them with. And I think mm -hmm. sometimes we reach them with hype. And I don't know if it's that I've been doing this 18 years and I'm getting older, but I'm like, man, I, I almost don't care to reach them with the games, with the the pizza parties, the things like that. Because as a college pastor, I'm also seeing that we're getting students graduating from, from these student ministries that are dumb when it comes to biblical things. They have no foundation. They don't know what their faith is or why they have faith or what, what they're putting their faith in. They have mom and dad faith. They have youth pastor faith. They've got what that man on YouTube or TikTok's faith says, and who uh, knows what kind of faith that is. It's probably and, deconstructed. <laughs> hello. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, my, my thing is, is how can we give them a foundation? Well, I tell our leaders, and this is just something that we do here that I believe is, is helping grow our students to where they're not just listening to me teach at them, but they're watching us. And number one, we want to model it, you know, whether they're seven or 17, we have a greater chance of them stepping up and praying and reading the Bible and worshiping when they see us actually doing something. We've got six kids. I do. You do. We got a daggum 12 kids combined. That's a lot of kids. <laughs> I don't want to just point my kids in a direction. I want to lead my kids in a direction. And I think the biggest thing that we can do as student pastors is to model for them going through the struggle of, look, there are some things I read that I don't understand. There are, uh, you know, situations that I don't have the answer to. There's gray area in the Bible. I think modeling that it's okay to have questions, you know, um, that's something that we found. I think the other thing, number two, would be to give them some resources that make sense to them. Um, I think sometimes we tend to talk over their head. We make the Bible. When we were growing up, it was flannel graph. And I was like, why is Peter, Jesus, and Judas? And with a different dress on. Um, you know, the flannel graphs never made sense to me. Ooh. And the, the, the conversation was always so high and unlofted that I could never understand what they were talking about. They never mm -hmm. made it practical, if yeah. you will. And I want to give our students resources that make sense to them. I'm not saying every teenager was like I was, but I think there's a lot of them out there that want just some practical application. We've kind of changed the model of how we do student ministry up to where the majority of our time together is in small groups, in community. When we come together, I'm giving them a main idea of how they can apply what we just talked about in small group, what I'm going to teach you in these few minutes, how you can apply this one thing, not a three-point sermon, but I want to give you something practical that you can literally do this week. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, is it working? We'll see. I'm been here nine months. We'll see if they come back. Um, <laughs> well, the good news you know. is the average amount of time it takes for a pastor to see fruit from his ministry at a new church is about five years. So you're good. Exactly. So <laughs> I've got a little bit of time left. <laughs> yeah, I, that's well, one you. of the things that you mentioned earlier. And and I, I just want to say, like, I know that my parents both memorized scripture. Most yeah. of the, that reason is because every time I got into an argument with my mom, because I was a hot-headed moron as a teenager, uh, was because I would say something to her and then she would respond and I would go, there's an, there's a reference attached to what you just said. That's not you. That's Bible. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I never saw them do it. Like, I never saw my dad pull out a verse pack. I just found out this year from my mom. Uh, I knew she got saved through the Navigators ministry in college. I just found out this year that 
she has a verse pack that looks almost exactly like mine. And she got it from a navigator and I got mine from a navigator. And then she showed me her history of verses. And she has this piece of wooden box with like hundreds of verse cards in it that she has memorized over the years. First time in my 33 years on this planet, I've seen that. I knew she had the verses. I've heard them, but I've never seen her do it. I never saw my dad do it. And I think you're right. If we model model it, it, let them come in and watch. I've got a couple guys I'm working with right now that I've been trying to meet with. I've told both of them, y'all are my guinea pigs to do this one-on-one discipleship stuff. We're probably going to fail and do some stupid things and not get this right all the time. But if you're cool with it, I'm cool with it. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's what they need. They need to see genuine because the culture that I grew up in, it wasn't genuine. It was fake. It was a facade. It was a pedestal, if you will. That's the culture I grew up in. Mm-hmm. I was an Awana kid. And so, you know, I mean, I was like Pratt, Cubby, Sparks, Pals, Pioneers, man. Like that's who I was. I'm the first kid in our church to get the Timothy Award. I went all the way back to Cubbies and memorized and quoted every Bible verse all the way up to Pioneers. I'm like, my crown's going to be extra big in heaven. That's like 365 verses, baby. I've got it in my brain. But do my kids know that? No. I want to teach them, here's why we memorize scripture. It's so we can give an answer. It's so we do have the word hidden in our heart. It's so if we don't have a Bible, we have God's word with us. We have hope to carry on. That's that's kind of something that I I like to do. Here's another one is, is just not to push too hard. Mm. This is a personal one, but I mean, I was pushed hard. Like, you know, we had to keep up an appearance, dad being the pastor, I had to keep up this appearance of, I'm going to get that Timothy award by God. I I better memorize every verse with no helps. I better win the Bible quiz awards. You know, I just, I don't want to push too hard. I want to encourage, but I want them to respond to my encouragement with more than just pressure Um, in any aspect in life. um, Something that I've stopped doing as a student pastor, I've stopped worrying about who's not there and started celebrating who is there in this culture that we're living in. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you may have some just not come because who knows what, but if I could have done this years ago, I wish I would have because I'm always asking the ones who are there, hey, where's Ryan? Why is Rachel here tonight? Where's Jessica? And I got the thing. I'm like, my gosh, I'm always worried about who's not here instead of celebrating the ones that are here. And so I don't care if I got six. We're going to celebrate that six who's choosing to be there. And I'm going to pour every ounce of what I can into them with no pressure because I want them to get it. I want them to be encouraged to build a foundation on Jesus. and. If they're going to give me three hours of their week volunteered, then I'm going to have three hours of their week to pour into them. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Why not do, do that? It. it doesn't mean you're ignoring everybody else, but no. when you're there at a set meeting Make time, it happen. be with who you're with. Yeah. So if you're a new youth pastor, listen, stop focusing on who's not there and focus on who is there. That's the mm. greatest hey, man. piece of advice <laughs> that I could get. Hey, Amen. I think another area that, my parents did do well is they encouraged honesty. Mm. Um, I think if, if you have a teenager that says, I read the Bible, but it was boring. Don't freak out. Don't react. Like I cannot believe you just said the Holy word of God is boring. Like that. Relax. Let them know that they can be honest with you. My parents were uh, allowed me to be honest. Like if I didn't understand something, they would say, okay, why don't you understand that? I think that's a big thing that we have to do is we got to be, we got to be honest. And then ultimately parents, student pastors, you got to pray, you got to pray, you got to pray. It's not our job to make sure they get it. It's our job to present it and allow the Holy spirit to do his work. And then I think you got to be ready and willing to talk. Um, everybody's different having that conversation. Um, too many times I think what we do is we use the pulpit, the stage to preach at them instead of talking with them. Mm. Um, I think a big opportunity that we miss as student pastors, um, as parents, as leaders with teenagers is having that one-on-one conversation and really just figuring out how they can apply the word to their life right now, making it practical. Um, we preach at them so much. And I know it's hard because you study and you've got a word and you're ready to deliver it. And maybe they don't need that big word from the stage. They need that five minute conversation afterwards. How's life? You know, mm-hmm. um, that's something that as I get older, I'm having more intentional one-on-one conversations to really apply the word personally instead of grouply, if that 
is even I, that, I know exactly <laughs> what you mean by that. that okay, good. That that is something that I, I've I've had a there's a mentor of mine that um, I met uh, when I started at my first church in Roanoke, and he told me that there's there's a a constant struggle in a lot of churches between the supremacy of the pulpit or versus the supremacy of the relationship. And, uh, that's, that, that's, on, that is a struggle because mm-hmm. I mean, we do want to teach proper biblical faithful doctrine in the gospel as it is presented in scripture. Right. But that's a fraction and whatever size fraction you choose, but it's still a fraction of the holistic picture of what it looks like to disciple teenagers and adults right. for that matter. I mean, you know, right. adults are just older teenagers with more money and drama. Wait, you want to know why students are jacked up? Cause their parents are jacked up. Hello. Yep. My pastor has a sign hanging on the wall in his office. that says, you complain about this generation, but have you ever stopped to think about who raised them? Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. So what's the biggest obstacle facing students right now that keeps them from uh, living this life of biblical faithfulness without becoming legalistic or even forget the legalistic part just with just keeps them from living a biblically faithful life? Man, I think there's so much buying for their attention right now. There, mm. There's so many messages coming at them. Mm-hmm. We are one message in a millions of messages that are coming at them. Mm-hmm. And that's why prayer has to be our go-to because we're, we're one voice in every other. I mean, think how many messages they're getting on a daily basis, on a hourly basis. We get three hours a week if we if we do it that much. If we're lucky into their life. If we're lucky, <laughs> we get one Zoom call if we're on quarantine. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we're just we're just another. It's almost like talking into their echo chamber, if you will. And I think we have to fight the the battle of Are you going to show up to youth groups? That can become legalistic, where they think, Oh, during quarantine, I'm doing well because I showed up to youth groups. Okay, high five. You're there. I jumped on the Zoom call. I'm I'm reading my Bible. I'm I'm journaling so I can show them that I'm doing this stuff. I think there's a we we've got to encourage real and watch growth happen without uh, compromising, if you will. The, uh, the <laughs> I'm trying to think of non IFB words here, but I think the the biggest thing that we got to do is is just shoot straight and be honest with them. They need yeah. honest truth. I say this all the time on our podcast that truth doesn't fear a challenge. Truth is consistent with itself. Truth correlates with reality. Mm -hmm. Present truth in their world. Talk to them where they're at. Um, You know, I think the biggest thing I had a youth leader, I had three youth pastors growing up and all three of them were waste of human air. Um, I had one youth pastor that owns a bar now in Panama city. Um, He literally left. I think it was like, I was, I can't remember how old I was. I think it was my sixth grade year. I saw him like two years later. He didn't even know my name. I was like, all right, whatever, whoever this dude is. Then my youth pastor from seventh grade until I was a junior in high school. Um, he's sitting in prison now for murder. Um, he <laughs> he left my junior year and had an affair with the lady and shot and killed her husband and then did his funeral a few days later. Like that dude's sick. And then the next youth pastor had an affair one year in. So I was like, whatever. Um, you know, so I look back at my youth pastor's and they weren't modeling how to live this out. They were earning a paycheck, and yeah. I knew they were. But I had one youth leader. His name was Alan Hedrick, who lived it out. The guy would pick me up. He'd take me to Florida State football games. Uh, he'd pick me up. We'd go hiking. There was a group of guys, you know. At, like, this dude just loved us, and and he was honest and real. And we didn't feel like we had to get Alan's approval to earn something good in life as far as being a Christian. And that's that's how I always remember I want to be a student pastor. I just want young people to know I'm not proud of you because you're showing up to youth groups. I'm glad you're here. I love seeing your face. But it's our conversations. It's watching you grow. It's it's you intentionally taking notes and then asking you two weeks later, hey, what what did you get out of that? You know, and, and I think just being real, the older I get, I think when I first started in student ministry, I thought I had to dumb it down for them. I really understand now, even our middle schoolers, is we need to preach biblical truth that is not watered down. We treat student ministry like kids ministry too much to where Mm. it's like, let's put paint on our hands and stick it on the wall and sing Father Abraham, where we need to be teaching biblical truth, but doing it in a way that they, they don't just hear it 
but they can apply it. And uh, that's that's how we want to be because I want to make sure that three hours that I get to speak into their life is the most impactful that it can be. And I don't want to waste it with a bunch of fluff and hype that is going to give them a good time without substance because it's going to go quick. They're going to be graduating before we know it. And the older we get, you're seeing it. I mean, our kids, they're growing. My, my son's in middle school this year. I feel like he was just born yesterday. Mm. I'm like, my gosh, I have seven years with this kid to be his youth pastor. What do I want him to get out of student ministry? I want him to own his faith. What does that mean to own your faith? I want to do everything I can do for him to own his faith to where when he graduates in seven years, he goes off to college and he takes that first philosophy class at that non-Christian school. And that professor starts deconstructing his faith with questions that he's going to be able to take a stand because he knows what he believes. It's not daddy's Mm -hmm. faith, not youth pastor's faith, not a podcast faith. It's his faith. And that's, that's where we're starting right now is own your faith, man. Man, you're making me feel old. My my oldest is nine. I mean, I know yours is older, but she's three years away from being in my youth group. Sucks, dude. It's uh, exciting, but it also sucks because I'm like, well, I mean, here's here's where I'm at. I'm going to have mine are, how old are mine? 11, 10, 8, 6, 4, and 3. And so, like, I'm about to be boom, 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 boom. Yep. Like, my student ministry is about to double because of my humans. Um, <laughs> yeah, oh, you're not kidding, dude. I've already told my wife when, when my oldest graduates from high school, the other five that are currently born will be in the youth group at the same time. Yeah. And I told her, I said, look, I don't care if it's going to sound legalistic or not. If they want to go to camp, they're earning scholarship because I can't pay that. Oh, oh, 100%. We're screwed. Like, <laughs> my, kids may, my kids may not go to camp because we can't afford to pay for it. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that is exactly right, man. And that's going to be one of those things where, I mean, that kind of goes into the conversation, like looking at our own children when they get into the youth group. How do we motivate them to grow yeah. and to do these things without it becoming a legalistic thing? Like, look, I have – at. I grew up as a missionary kid, which is that the pressures of being spiritually perfect are pretty much the same as a PK. And yeah. it, because, oh, your parents are ministry. You must be perfect. And you're like, no, I'm not here. I'll prove it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you exactly. do all the stupid things. But I yeah. had so many friends growing up who were pastor's kids. And, and even as an adult, I've, I've met more guys and girls that are pastor's kids. And I've asked every single one of them. I have asked, is your dad a pastor first or a father first? Yeah. Every single one that I've asked that question to, the answer was he was a pastor first. Yeah. And that that's terrifying for me. It is. Because I don't want to be pastor first to yeah. my kids. I yeah. want to be daddy first and 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 to not have anybody that's gone before me get it yet is kind yeah. of scary to be honest with you. It so is. Yeah. when you hear guys preaching, like this guy that we feature on the podcast, sometimes he's an evangelist and he talks about two young evangelists coming to him and saying, how do you get the meetings you get? And the calendar is full. And he says, well, sometimes you're going to have to miss birthdays. Sometimes you're going to have to miss ball games. Sometimes you're going to have to miss dinner dates. I'm like, no, no, no. You're missing the point. It doesn't matter how successful you are in ministry. If you suck as a dad, you're a failure period. Like that's, that's all there is to it. And I tell you the, the, the crazy thing about having a kid that's in my youth group. Now he knows me, like he, <laughs> he knows me. He sees me walk around in my underwear. He knows me. Like he hears what I say when I, when, when my kids won't be quiet, like mm. he knows me, he doesn't, he doesn't see just the dad standing on the stage being funny and everybody's laughing at, he knows me. And mm-hmm. that, that reality right there is what kind of has reshaped my ideology, if you will, about how to reach them. Cause I'm like, I want to be the same dude personally, publicly, privately to where my boy can be like, well, this is how dad really is. I want to be the same at youth groups as I, I'm not going to walk around my underwear at youth groups. That's awkward, but you know, I want to be the same. I want to be the same guy personally, publicly, privately. And that's just be real. And you know, he, he come in and he's like, he, he actually said this the other night, he's been in youth groups now a month. And he said, dad, you don't change at youth groups. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you're just stupid at youth groups. Like you're stupid at home. And I was like, I'm going to punch you in the face, kid. Thanks. Love you too. (laughs) But that really did help me because I, it helped keep the gauge on there. Cause I told him, I said, look, dude, I said, you're, you know me better than any of your friends that are in student ministry right now. 
You help me keep my finger on the pulse of how they're liking it. He said, okay, I can do that. And so he'll just randomly come in. He's like, hey, dude, I'm like, what's up? He's like, I have no idea what you preached about last night. I'm like, well, crap. <laughs> you know, and he's just, my son is brutally honest. The kid's a freaking genius. My second, my second son, he thinks the toaster's haunted. I can't wait for him to get into student ministry. Um, but this first one, you know, he's like, when you said this and, but he's, there's no pressure on him to take it a step further. He's actually doing that. And so in a way I'm like, I like the fact that he's digging in a little bit because I'll see him on a little group chat on, you know, his, his Instagram, whatever it is that he types on. It's not social media because we're homeschool family, whatever. Um, but <laughs> I don't, he uses his mom phone for something, but they're talking about the lesson and he's got a group of buddies that they're talking about it. I'm like, that's, it's Tuesday. That's awesome. You know? Yeah. That's really good to hear. Yeah. Cause that kind of uh, flips the coin around from the biggest obstacle to, to students to, I mean, really there's so much, vying for their attention and that, and that can honestly be a huge obstacle because mm -hmm. I mean, you said it like right at the beginning they have a million messages coming at them and yeah. our message is the only one that is saying it's not about you every right. other one is saying it's all about you right. so if that's what they're up against what's the best weapon they have in their arsenal to live biblically faithful lives as teenagers in the culture as it is right now yeah i think it's kind of what my boy's doing just asking questions like mm. the why questions being okay. Asking why, like it's my that favorite was question. <laughs> I, yeah. I didn't get to ask why it was this way and no way it was our way or the highway. Mm -hmm. I was in a state of rebellion. If I didn't do it yep. this way, why and was think, rebellion? Oh, hundred percent, 100%. Yeah. And I think giving them the freedom to ask why mm -hmm. I will say this a lot. Don't just take what I'm preaching right now as fact. I would love for you to do some investigating, why, why do you believe what, like what I'm saying? Is it true? They can fact check you in the moment. Like the majority of them have, that's something we didn't have. We took our youth pastor's word on it, that he was like the man of God. And what he's saying is straight Bible where half the time it's straight crap. These guys can literally hear what we're teaching and fact check you sitting in their seat. And I encourage them to do that. I think a big thing for my my boy, especially, is like asking why and being okay, not getting frustrated when they come back with that and not that not putting that pressure on them. Why would you ask me why? It's in the Bible. Duh, of course it's truth. But then you get to break down, here's how you're going to grow in that area. Yeah, one of the things that uh, I've struggled with for years is is the is the getting the motivation uh, correct. Uh, mm -hmm. to, to get students to understand the importance of why, uh, why you should bother spending time in God's word on a regular basis, yeah. memorizing it, serving people, showing up, like what's your motivation. And my father-in-law is, he's retired now, but he used to be a word of life missionary. And he used to tell, whenever he did trainings, he would say this, he would tell teenagers this, he told me this, cause I shared struggles with him. And he said, you know, I know you don't want it to become checkboxy and legalistic, but if you engage yourself in some of these spiritual disciplines, there's a good chance that you're going to grow in your relationship with the Lord sure. and in maturity as a Christian. If you don't engage in any of these, you will not grow. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So would you rather take the shot and try and, and, and do it and struggle your way through it or just give up before the race even starts. Right. Yeah. And, and that stuck with me because I, I, you can, you can get every famous quote you want on this. You miss, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you never take, you know, all that stuff. And yeah. it's true, but there is a way. And I think you've hit the nail on the head with just being, being real with them and, and letting them ask why look, teenagers are the biggest fake sniffers out there. They can Hello. see fake a mile away. Exactly. And I think, and I've told them this, and I've tried not to say it insultingly, but part of the reason they're able to sniff that out is because they're good at doing it themselves. 100%. 100%. And so we can't walk in there trying to be just as cool as they are, try, yeah. legitimately trying to use the same vernacular as them. Now, I use some of the same vernacular just because it drives me nuts. So I, if, I know that if I do it, it's no longer cool, and maybe they'll stop. No cap. <laughs> 
Yeah. Little, uh, it's a little sus, but sheesh. Okay. <laughs> exactly. I do that. And they're like, stop it. It's not funny. Don't do that. <laughs> I freak. One of the guys in my small group uh, this last year, he texted me today. I was texting back and forth with him asking how things were going. And, and he, I said, how you doing? He said, I, A-I-G-H-T. I, I say that all the time. And, and I was, and I don't know what I said. Oh, I said, that's good. That's good. D-A-S. <laughs> no, and, no. And he's like, why are you talking like that? That's not cool. <laughs> yeah. You're an adult. You're not supposed to say these things. And I was like, and he said for real, but he just typed F-R. <laughs> the shorthand. So I said, yeah. F-R, F-R question mark. And he was like, stop it. <laughs> oh man. So I, I always say when they're like, I, I'm like, I bet. <laughs> they hate yeah. it. Ugh. No cap. I've, I've discovered one that I've been told by my teenagers. Uh, no one has ever said. Oh, what's that? Liddy Fresh. <laughs> Liddy Fresh. I'm going to write that down. Liddy oh, Fresh. Gracious. That, that'll make them cringe. Yeah, that, that'll, that'll make them straight up cringe. But but you're right. I mean, just <laughs> being, up. being who you actually are at home and, and, and at church at the same time. One, that that that's the best way to go. But two, it's going to be monumentally helpful for your, your own children's mental oh, health. Oh, yeah. I think uh, the other, the other thing you got to guard against is, and this is a pendulum swing with student pastors, is that fine line between being their pastor and their friend. Mm. I think sometimes what happens is that line gets blurred, and once you slip over to friend zone, the the not the respect, but just the 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 way they view you as that leader that can speak into their life. It's a fine line. I think being a leader friend is that's how Alan was. He was a friend, but he is also my leader. And he never was just my friend. And he would he would still question things that I would do, not with a pressure way, but he would still question things I do. He'd still ask why, you know, and make me come up with an answer for why I was doing certain things or why I believe certain things. And so I think that's a fine line. You I, I see too many youth pastors. I don't know if it's that I'm almost 40 and I look at these guys that are fresh out of high school it feels like and they're going into student ministry and i'm like these guys ain't got a clue man like they could almost still date some of the seniors that are in their youth group i mean that's how young they are um don't do that if you shouldn't do yeah. not do that yeah and shouldn't it's a lawsuit waiting to happen yeah <laughs> edit that out um, <laughs> uh, but i look at these guys and i'm like one they're gonna do hype and i'm guilty of this i'm not saying anything that i haven't done you know but I, I I had this thought pop up in my brain. I talked to a student that is serving in the Navy SEALs now. No, excuse me. He's an Army Ranger. He's in Hawaii. I got another one that's, uh, uh, you know, a uh, he's in government in Atlanta. I got students all over. I mean, in 18 years, I've been doing this for a long time. And I, I question sometimes, did what I do when they were in high school and middle school, did it stick? As an adult, did what we do in high school and middle school affect their life in any way? I've got two students that, you know, we all have those former students that you look back and they're like, yeah, they're, there's no chance they're going to heaven. Like, I mean, you know, they're, they're dumber in a box here. I got two dudes. And every time we talk to them, they're like, hey, man, you talking about shoes of peace still? I'm like, what are you talking about? And they remembered one series that we did their eighth grade year on the armor of God, and they make oh fun of it all the time. But I get a call from a guy that went to Afghanistan, and he was like, man, you don't realize how important my boots were. And the whole time I'm in Afghanistan fighting, I'm remembering shoes of peace, and I'm remembering the, the shield of faith, and I'm remembering, like, your stupid message from eighth grade really was all I was thinking about as I'm at war. And I was like, what did I do during that one series? That's all they remembered, you know? And I, the way I kind of look at how I teach now is I've been married for 13 years. My wife is a phenomenal cook. Um, she makes breakfast. She makes dinner. And I remember in the 13 years we've been married, maybe five to 10 meals, like remember them specifically. But if you look at me, you know that I've had every meal for the last 13 years. And yeah. I've had to have all of those meals to get to today. I didn't get one meal our second week of marriage. She's done this for 13 years. There's a few of them that are going to stand out. Mm -hmm. And I think we, we, we teach every week for that, but I teach every week as if that one message is going to be the one that's going to stick in their brain. And it's not just the stick out because with that message in eighth grade, 15 years, 16 years ago, 
we took it to another step because we started having disciple groups and I started asking mm -hmm. them one-on-one -on -one questions. And we started, this is before, I mean, you know, so everybody just had Facebook, Instagram wasn't even a thing then, you know? And so I'm shooting little Facebook messages. Like, how are you living out the, you know, helmet of salvation this week? What does that mean? You know? And, and I was like, okay, it's because I took the initiative to not just teach at them, but to really involve them with this. And here we are 18 years later, and these guys remember this, you know? And so that that's how I, I look back at that. And I always get to thinking like, as these kids are graduating, they're going into college, they're getting married, they're sending their kids now to my youth group. Did anything we say stick? Yeah. And if it stick, did it change their life to make them into the adult we're doing? Because that's what student ministry is all about. We're helping mold and create the adults that those students are gonna be in a few short years. And what's the outcome going to be? Student ministry is not about right now. Mm -hmm. um, I believe student ministry is 10 years down the road. Uh, student ministry is 15 years down the road. When you see adults, are they walking with Jesus? Do they have faith? When they go to college, is it totally deconstructed? And that that's kind of my motivation to keep pressing on is just to present it in a way that they get and hold on to. Wow. I, you literally just made me realize my I had five youth pastors before I graduated from high school. Yeah. My fifth one is the reason why I fell in love with Philippians. Hmm. He took an entire school year. He went verse by verse, a couple times word by word. I, wow. I was super nerdy. I still am nerdy about the Bible, but yeah. he dug so deep into Philippians with us. It stuck with me, especially like the first chapter when, when Paul mm -hmm. delivers that prayer for the church that sets the mm -hmm. mood for the rest of the letter. That that time and and i remember not just those lessons but the investment he put into our lives um the fact that he knew he was gonna get the boot from leadership so he gave he gave the church 14 months notice he basically said look i'll stick till this class graduates from high school next wow. year and then i'm out but i'm gonna stick till these guys are done and that was my grade yeah and i was just amazed at the the relationship and everything that he poured into us because it wasn't all flash and pizzazz it, it wasn't was sexy no it wasn't yeah. i mean that we made fun of his name and his ears <laughs> yeah but we loved him to death and we're still connected to this day yeah and and the investment that he put into our lives and the and and again back to what we talked about earlier he was real in front of us he was who yep. he really was at home and he was really who he was at church and and there was not much of a difference at all and and we could tell and and that was refreshing for me as a teenager and yeah. as messed up and all the dumb choices i made between then and now you know that's all my fault anyway but yeah i i know that there are men like him and there's many more i could point to from my first youth pastor to him and and beyond these are men that that modeled a, a relationship with christ of look i'm not perfect and yeah i'm gonna screw up and i'm gonna keep trying but I still trust the Lord with every aspect of my life and I'm still going to keep plugging away till glory. And that's, to be honest, man, that, that's refreshing to hear. And I think that's what our teenagers need. I agree with you. I agree yeah. with you. So if people want to get in touch with you or Brian or Nathan or the RFP or, uh, you know, maybe your churches or whatever, and, and they want to talk about either this topic um, with the teens or maybe there's a recovering fundamentalist out there somewhere that hadn't found y'all yet. And they're wondering, am I alone? I need help. Someone please help me. What's the best way to get in touch with you or, or the guys? Yeah. So I'm on all social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm there. Um, you just find me at JC Groves um, on TikTok. I'm balddadx6. And uh, you can find me on that. And uh, love to love to meet up with you. Recovering Fundamentalist, you can follow us on our website. It's recoveringfundamentalist.org. Um, on there, we'll have links to our Instagram, our Twitter RFP Twitter is on a whole nother level. Um, <laughs> and uh, we're also never on Instagram. No, <laughs> never. It'll never get old. And uh, so you can do it there. There's a link on the RFP uh, website, which is recoveringfundamentalist.org. You can click on the chat with the host tab and find our emails. Brian, Nathan, me, we're all right there. And just click that, send us an email. Uh, we will respond eventually. We get a lot of emails all the time. And so I think I'm catching up. I'm in March right now. Um, so oh. I'm catching up eventually, but they're <laughs> coming further in, ahead man. than Brian. I bet Brian doesn't even know he has an email yet. I mean, that, <laughs> that dude, I am not joking. He has over 900 text messages on his phone unread. We stopped Ooh. texting him. We stopped texting him. 
I'll send him a Morris code. He's so freaking old. <laughs> Oh, I love well, hey, I, I would really encourage anybody listening, uh, even if you're not a recovering fundamentalist, uh, I, if you've been damaged by church for some reason, or if yeah. you're struggling, there is, uh, you can rake, th- rake through the, the backlog of these guys' podcasts because there is so much in there that's helpful and, and just addressing certain issues that you may or may not uh, deal with them in your life. And it's an encouragement to know that there are pastors out there that are are digging deep and, and trying to help people uh, not just recover from pain and damage, but to, to live life um, to really what Christ wants for us, which is to the fullest and abundantly and, and, and focus in on the gospel and not all the junk that the world is throwing at us. So I I genuinely, I'm really appreciative of your willingness to come on today, JC. And um, I hope uh, people will check you guys out. Um, Yeah. We also have the RFP network. Maybe they don't like us. They they just can't connect with us. We have uh, seven or eight podcasts that are part of the RFP network um, that I'm sure they can find. There's the PK podcast for any preacher's kids that are listening. Uh, John Groves, no relation. He does the PK podcast. <laughs> They're awesome. Uh, there's one, the Four Freedom podcast that dive in a little bit more if you're more nerdy. Uh, we have the Young Baptist podcast with Clay and Josh. I don't listen to that one. It puts me to sleep. Um, I'm just kidding. I love them to death. Um, if you're a woman and you, you grew up in this, but your voice was never heard we have the rfwp if you speak spanish we have the recovering fundamentalists in spanish none of us have a clue what they're saying so it's good i guess um we've got the four freedom podcast there's the 26 letters podcast um it's a whole family of podcasts that are all here to help and encourage people whose lives have been challenged and negatively affected by fundamentalist legalism and we want to reach them we want to retain them we want to reproduce them send them out to love jesus Awesome, man. Well, hey, JC, thank you for coming on the podcast today. And uh, y'all go check out them. And uh, don't forget to uh, check out our backlog as well. And I hope to talk with you again soon, man. Let's do it. You know, JC, man, I just love the conversation and just love his, just, just his passion, his heart. I don't, I don't, I never struggled with uh, legalism. In a sense, uh, I didn't grow up in it. Um, of course, my church, my church is a Free Will Baptist church from growing up. That was that has a history of legalism, uh, but was getting out of that uh, when I was when I, when I was growing up. But I can remember being in a, being in that church and feeling legalism from other people towards me as a preacher's kid. Mm. And I can remember one time, and I, I, I don't know if those of you are listening, if y'all are old enough to remember uh, Jinkos back in the, the early 2000s, Jinko pants, big, mm. huge, baggy pants. Um, but during that time in the late 90s, early 2000s, it was popular to sag, but only sag like an inch. Everybody was doing it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Every, it doesn't matter what ethnic group you are, everybody was sagging uh, about an inch or two inches. And I can remember wearing Jinko shorts sagging a little bit on a Wednesday night going to youth and I can remember an older older woman I can't even remember her name uh, went over to my parents and just berating the fact that I was I was sagging wearing, uh, wearing pants and sagging and I, I got a lot of that as, as a preacher's kid like I I um, they, I I, they were you sagging dude. dude it was it was that bad but uh, <laughs> But uh, I could like a Sunday morning, the fact that I wouldn't wear a shirt and tie, I uh, had people talking about uh, me negatively because I wouldn't wear a shirt and tie. And that's one of the reasons why I always wore a polo shirt. Because I was like, forget y'all. I'm just going to do it to make people make y'all mad because I can't because I can't stand legalism. And so, so that's a lot of I got I didn't struggle with it personally, but I got a lot of it from other people. Uh, within my church and even outside my church, because of the fact I was a preacher's kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, so I so I love JC's heart in this, and I love um, his podcast. I've got an opportunity to kind of dive in it to a little bit. I'm new to his to this podcast, and, and um, so I'm very excited to have an opportunity to get to dive in that a little more. But yeah, so I'm so David. You and me are the opposite. So I see. I didn't struggle with it, but yeah. I got I got it from other people. Yep. Um, you yourselves, uh, uh, yourself kind of, kind of struggle with that personally. Yeah. Well, the funny thing about it is, um, 
If you know anything about the history of the independent fundamental Baptist movement, they came out of the SBC, the Southern Baptist Convention, because they thought the Southern Baptist Convention was getting too liberal. Now, that was before the conservative resurgence, but still. Um, so they came out and, and did their own thing. And the thing that makes that funny for me is that the church I grew up in, the second half of my younger years, was an SBC church. And I still came out like super legalistic. So when I started listening to the RFP guys, I was identifying with a lot of the stuff that they talked about because uh, that was the world that I personally lived in. And I probably would have been very comfortable for a while in an IFB church if I had known what they were at the time. Um, but it, I, I praise God for my wife. Uh, I know I mentioned it earlier, but uh, I'm glad that she brought grace into my life and pointed to it and was like, you need to chill, dude. <laughs> And that brings us to our exciting announcement. Not only do we think that you guys should go check out the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast and the RFP Network, but if you go to rfpnetwork.org, you will see that one of the nine podcasts they have available includes the Youth and Culture Podcast. That's right. We have joined the RFP Network, and we are a part of a group of podcasts now that are pushing the church forward, that are trying to help people as they progress in their Christian walk in ministry. And I am super excited about the fact that we have partnered with brothers and sisters in the faith that are trying to help churches address the hard issues and grow in Christ. So I'm excited about it. And um, I hope you guys can uh, enjoy the ride that we're, we're on now with them. So uh, thank you so much for listening to us today. Um, it was an awesome conversation. Hopefully we can have JC on again, maybe all three of the guys from the RFP. Um, but if you're a longtime listener or a brand new listener, uh, please feel free to go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review and a rating. Uh, that'll let us know how we're doing. Uh, you can also connect with us on Facebook at the Youth and Culture Facebook group and like our page as well. If you join the group, uh, Ryan and I interact with people there. If you have questions, if you have an idea for a podcast episode, if you have something that you want to learn more about, maybe something you've heard about and you're like, what is this? But you don't have time to research and Maybe we can do that. Uh, who knows? But it'd be awesome to connect with you there. Well, guys, stay tuned for our next episode. <laughs>